0: Amen. Thank you. Well, we just started a series on Abraham talking about the faith walk. And the fact of the matter is, each of us are called to have a walk with God. There's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God, just children. It's a personal relationship that you don't experience from a distance. But he calls you to come near, to come close. And as we look at Abraham this morning, I'm going to read two sections of scriptures. One from the Old Testament we'll read and then one from the New Testament. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start at reading verse 1 and then I think verses 4 through 6. And then to Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. So put your finger there on Hebrews 11 and we're going to start at Genesis 12 though. And encourage you when you find that, if you will stand in our God's honor as I have a reading of the word. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Then down to verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And then let's go to Hebrews 11. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham then called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. Obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, this faith stuff is tough. <laughs> and yet, your word tells us that is how we're to walk or how we're to live by faith, not by sight. We need you to guide us, Lord. Because you're the one who knows what is best and what is right. And Father, as we look at Abraham and as we think of ourselves. Father, um, speak to our hearts, Father. About trusting you as we take this faith journey. It's not just receiving you. it's That's the beginning. But it continues until we're with you for all of eternity. In the home that you made for us. And so, Father, open our hearts and our lives to the fact that that call is a moment-by-moment. Trust in you, and I pray that you speak to our hearts as we open your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are creatures of routine. We like to know what's coming next. And so we become familiar with something, and then we tend to do it over and over again. Uh, For example, we often like to go to the same restaurants and we like to order the same things. And when we go to work, we like to take the same route to work. Uh, We have a tendency to want to do things the same way. Uh, I mean, even when we get up in the morning and we get dressed, we get dressed the same way each morning. Typically, is what we do. And we have a routine that we do in order to get ready uh, for that. Most of us, you like a brand of car, you end up buying the same kind of car. We, we become creatures of habit in what we do. I mean, even when we come to church, we tend to sit in the same pew, the same place, because that's what's familiar. I, I remember uh, when I was part of a pastor's group, there were about a dozen of us, and some smart-aleck pastor, he, he came there early and he rearranged the whole room. So the rest of us that came in there, all 11 of us, we walked in the room and said, Who messed with the room? Who changed the room? And we immediately noted that and everybody commented on it because everything had changed and it was different. But as we look at God, He is a God of surprises. We, we try to plan everything out. We try to be familiar. We want to be comfortable. We want to be secure. But you never know when the surprise is coming. You never know when suddenly everything is turned upside down and, and we feel insecure and, and we cry out to God and say, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? What is going on here? It, it's so easy to want to live in the familiar. But what is missed is that God guides us and leads us where we haven't been. There is some value in not knowing where you're going when you have the right guide to take you there. Think about it through the scriptures. It says in Genesis chapter 6 that the world was a total mess, that everyone did what was right in their own eyes, that every inclination of the heart was to do evil, to do what was wrong. And God came to a point where he said, okay, that's it. I'm going to start bringing rain and flooding and Noah said, what is rain? Because up to that time, there had been no rain. Certainly no flooding. And he said, I want you to build an ark. What is an ark? God says, don't worry about it. I'll give you the blueprints. We'll work on it. And, and God even took care of the animals coming two by two to come on the ark. And, and Noah preached repentance. He, he preached about turn to God. And yet it seemed like nobody wanted to listen. And it just seems like a crazy message that Noah received. And then you think about Joshua. When he came to Jericho, as the people marched, they came to a place where Joshua just got before the Lord. He said, Lord, guide us, lead us into battle. How can we possibly win this? And he, God said to him, Hey, look, the battle's the Lord's. It's not your battle. I'll bring victory. And can you imagine what the military must have thought when they arrived there and the battle plans were given? Well, here's what we want you to do, guys march around the walls of the city once a day for six days. Then on the seventh day, march around it seven times and shout because God's given us victory. Can you imagine? What kind of battle plans is that? I believe in God, but I'm not so sure Joshua hadn't had some kind of problem. How does he expect this plan to work? And yet we know what happened. They obeyed and amazingly enough, the walls fell down and God brought forth victory. And then one of my favorite stories in Second Chronicles chapter 20, it talks about Jehoshaphat who was about to go into battle. And they had some strange battle plans too. They put the choir first. The choir sing praises to God as they march into battle. That seems like a crazy way to go into battle. And yet God brought forth victory. I love it. It's Second uh, Chronicles 20, And it says, As they began to sing and praise... The Lord set up ambushments against the men of Moab and Mount Seir who were invading and they were defeated. (laughs) It's just crazy stuff. And then you think about Jonah. God says, Jonah, I want you to go tell people about me that they might repent and have a chance to find my mercy. Jonah said, I'm not going to those guys. And so he headed off the other direction. And he was swallowed by a big fish. And people have trouble with Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. Well, he's God. I mean, if God wanted Jonah to swallow the big fish, you know, it's God. He can handle it. But can you imagine he's he's well, he ends up the big fish burps or whatever. Jonah ends up on the beach. And I'm sure as the people listened, it might have been, you know, from a distance. But the point was, God had a, had a plan and, 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 and he's, he's taking me where he's doing what How's God at work? What is he up to? Uh, What's going on here, God? And then there's Daniel in the lion's den. And I love what J. Vernon McGee says. He says, the reason the lion wouldn't eat Daniel is because he was three-fourths gristle and one-fourth backbone. But God worked. God led. God guided in a way that certainly you wouldn't choose. But he was at work. In surprises that would display His glory and His kindness. Now, turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul discusses a surprise he knows that is around the corner. He, he's heard from God. He doesn't know the details, but he knows it will be difficult. Uh, Twenty In verse 17... It says that Paul sent for the church leaders of the church of Ephesus. <laughs> and and they arrive and he says to them, Hey guys, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came here, I served the Lord with great humility and tears. I, I didn't have, and I didn't totally have it together, but I trusted God. And he says, I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. He, he admits there were tough times. He says, "You know, I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house." He was connected to those people. He went to their houses. He, he he shared the overflow of the inflow of Jesus in his life with those people, house to house. He said, "I declared to both Jews and Greeks, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus." He said, "Man, my heart's about the gospel." And that should be the heart of the church. We're here for the, the gospel. Um, okay, verse 22, he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, here comes the surprise. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. It's kind of familiar. I don't know what's going to happen there. I know I'm supposed to go. I don't know what's going to happen. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying of God's grace. And then we come back to to Genesis 12 and and we come back to Abram. And as we mentioned last week, he he was in a family. that didn't know the Lord God matter of fact, uh, the scholars and the historians tell us they would carve these idols, and, and, and these idols, that's what was worshipped. That, that's where he was. It wasn't like he was cleaned up, and had repented, and turned his heart over to God. No, he was in a land that they didn't know God. They didn't know anything about God. And and they worshipped other idols. And yet, God would speak to him there. not at, Not in a church gathering of those who were seeking God corporately, But but he was with people who, they they didn't know God. They didn't listen. They they weren't able to hear God. And that's where he met him. And so we we come to that call where God spoke to him in Genesis 12. And man, look at it. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land. I'll show you. Abram, I want you to leave everything that's familiar and I want you to head out. Abram. Can you imagine what his neighbors must have thought? As we read in our text, he was 75 years old. They had lived there for a long period of time. And so they're loading everything up on a cart, cleaning out the house. Neighbors must have been thinking, I wonder where Abram and Sarah are going. Man, they've been here as long as we've been here, as long as I can remember. Everybody in town knows them. Where are they going? So they walk over to Abram Sarah. Where are you guys going? Don't know. Don't know. Who are you going to see? Not sure. Why are you going? God told me to go. God, you mean those carvings that you family makes, that they whittle? No. The Lord God. Mm, well... I hope things go well when you get where you don't know where you're going and see who you don't know who you're going to see and do what you don't know what you're going to do. See you around, Abram. (laughs) And then can you imagine word going to Sarah's dad who, you know, comes and says, Honey, uh, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to go with Abram? I know he's your husband. I know you love him and all, but I told you a long time ago. I'm not so sure he's wrapped too tight now, I think he's really come loose, sending you out away from home, and you guys don't even know where you're going, and you're not even sure what's ahead and and what the task is and god's who's this god who who are you talking about who's who's taking you from here who's taking you now look uh the point is, not that everybody goes. You know, there's nothing wrong with staying. There's nothing wrong with staying with your family. There's nothing wrong staying at the job you're at. There, there's nothing wrong with staying in your community. It's what's God calling you to do. Where does God want you to be? Those are the important questions. What What is God up to? I went to a conference on Tuesday um, that a man was leading on healthy churches. And, and he was talking about the fact that you guys probably heard it in the news. That there are these statistics that Christianity's, um, we're, you know, we're losing people who believe Christianity. And anyway, he, he was sharing and, and he was talking about, you know, what we have to do is we have to get our, have to, we have to remember he said, you know, he had this model. he had three words, why, how, and what. And he said, what happens in most churches, they look around and say, we need to get some people in here. So what are we going to do? And he said, if they think a little bit more, they'll say, not only what are we going to do, but how are we going to do it? But this guy shared, and he said, but very few churches. Ask that third question. Why are we even here in the first place? And his point was, before you can ask, what do we do and how do we do it? We first need to nail down, why are we here? Are we here just to be an extension of social services and meet those needs? And and there, certainly we need to love people in physical ways. But is, is that the main thrust of why we're here? Are we here just so we can be together? And, and praise God that He's brought us together and, and that we're able to build relationships with one another. But is that why we're here? Why are we here? And I love that statement by Rick Warren. He said, um, the Great Commission plus the Great Commandment equals a great church. And, and the truth of the matter is, guys, we can spend our whole lives and our whole purpose and we ask why. Why am I here? The Great Commission, because I need God. To forgive me and to be in my life. And everything that we're called to do must flow out of that message. Hey, I'm doing this because God has forgiven me. God's given me hope. And I want to meet this temporal need so that you'll become acquainted with the one who loves you with the deepest love of all. And then the great commandment. Man, I want to live because I want to love God. And I want to love people. And God said, when I get those things right, The great commission, the great commandment. Man, then the other things will fall into place. And so the importance of that, that why? That why? I want to look at some three questions here. As we look at the last part of this message. That goes with following God, this faith walk. First question. Are you seeking God's will deliberately and passionately? Are you asking that question, God? Why am I here, God? What do you want of me? <laughs> you see, we sometimes we think of the church and and we think, Ah, oh, this is the place that we come and this is the place that we gather or or this is the place that we have programs and 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 that's a part of it. But the truth of the matter is, it starts with me. God, why am I here? God, what do you want of me? Remember Isaiah? He saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up in the temple. And and they were mourning because of the death of this great king, Uzziah. And and then he saw the awesomeness of God. And and then he felt how much a sinner he was. And he said, "Uh uh-oh, woe am I. And then God brought a coal and cleansed his lips. And and then his heart was open. and, And then God said, there's a mission. And Isaiah said, what? He said, here am I. Send me, Lord. Hey, that's what it's about. Where the why becomes alive and and so that I'm open. Once I get the why, it's like, then what, Lord? What is it that you want to meet? Do we ask those questions? Do we ask that question? God, am I listening? Am I open? Am I open? Proverbs 19, verse 23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. You you see, it, it starts there. God. Father, I just want to reverence you with everything I do with my whole life it, it, That's where life is it's fearing you god it's it's putting you in in the place of of why do I do this and what do I do and how do I do it? It all comes back to you, Lord. The fear of the lord that's what leads to life, and then one rests content <laughs> not because there is no trouble, but we live beyond the trouble and above the trouble through the power of Jesus Christ and His grace. Second question, are you willing to go just as much as you're willing to stay? Maybe God calls us to go. Not just the mission field. Maybe it's a different job. Maybe it's a different type of ministry. Maybe it's just to move in a different neighborhood, different home. God gives us that sense of... um discomfort of that that there's a change that's needed and we don't fully grasp it or understand it but but we have to deal with it and and so the question is God am I willing to go if you call but we can also turn it around (laughs) Lord am I willing to stay because sometimes we romanticize and say oh I'm ready to go Lord I'm sick of this place it stinks but maybe God wants you to stay the, the, the question is, God, what do you want? Not merely what I want. And to be honest enough and open enough to ask those questions as we wrestle. And just to be honest enough to say, God, what do you want? And the third question. Are you making the decision more simple or more complicated? Then it should be. You know, I've told you. I think what happens to me a lot of times when I have a big decision, I start thinking, "Who can I call? Who can I call?" Pull up my phone, call four, five, six, ten people. If I I want to hear something. The only problem is, if you call enough people, you get different opinions, and everybody starts telling you what to do. One tell you this, one tell you that, one tell you this. Well, who's right? Who do you listen to? Well, and you know, there's nothing wrong with getting counsel. I mean, Proverbs 20:18 says, "Make plans by seeking advice." But here's the catch. Although it is important to get the counsel of others, it's still critical to get God's counsel. I found myself on several times where I just want, like I said, just start calling people. And God says, let's spend a little time together, Todd. We just need to get along and talk about this. We need to spend some time together. Man, we need the counsels, but we need God's Counsel, and sometimes we we make it so difficult as as we get confused, as we we try to get everybody's counsel, but getting right into God's presence, and seeking an answer there, as He leads us. Um, I know for me, uh, before I came here, there was a decision that I needed to make, and in my life, and I received counsel. I called four people I really, really respected. And they all gave me the same counsel. But I ended up doing the opposite of what they told me to do. <laughs> it, was, it Was a wrong? Here's the other thing about God's will. Sometimes you can sit back and ask that and say, I do not know. I do know that God has been faithful to direct me. And he's at work in my life. The bottom line was, although I got this counsel from everybody else, I still didn't have a piece about it as I prayed about it. And still ended up going the other direction. Turn me to 1 Corinthians 13 as we wrap this up. Uh, of course, we refer to this as the love chapter. And of course, it starts out telling us, hey, if you got all these cool gifts, you know, if you're able to preach that gift of prophecy with the power of God, you have not love. Eh. Or, or if you give your body to the flames, if you're a martyr, but you you don't have love, and eh, that's that's nothing. Or you give all you all the stuff that you have away. That's not where the answers found. Um, it, it's it's not in any of that 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 God works. He He says it's in love, and then He gives this description of love. Talks about what God's kind of love is, that perfect love. Then down to verse 9, reading to the end of the chapter. He says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, none of us have the full picture. Beware of people who want to give you orders of exactly what to do. because Guys, this is about the faith walk. You can get counsel But beware of those who want to give you direct answers. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. One day we will see clearly. Paul says here, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. One day we will get it fully, but not now. Verse 13, he says, these three remain faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. We're called to walk by faith. We're called to trust, even though at times we don't know where we're going and we don't know what's around the corner, but we know who he is and that's God. And we have hope because we know that he's the God that places hope in our hearts. That's what the gospel's about. It's about hope. That Jesus is alive. He resur- He's resurrected. He is the one who prays for us. He's the one who leads us. He's the one that guides us, and and that comes to love. And what's love? Love's about God. I just want to sacrifice myself for you. And love's about I just want what's best for you, even if I don't agree with you. I want what's best for you. So I want to. I want to pray for you. I want to support you. Because when God speaks to you, I don't hear what He says to you. And I need to be mature enough to support you and pray for you in that guidance. You see, this is a faith walk. We need God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Abraham. Father, that he was willing to step out and to go even though there were so many questions. And I thank you, Father, for just the different people in the Scriptures, um, Father, that stepped out when others didn't understand. But you were leading. And Father, what do you want to do among us? What do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in my brothers and sisters who are here? Uh, jointly, we we form King's Way, part of the body of Christ. Individually, you speak to us, God. You give us a passion, and that passion is why we're here. So, Father, I I pray that you help us to remember your forgiveness. Help us to remember that point, that time where we knew we needed a Savior, and you're there. Help us to remember other people that maybe haven't come to that point where they've had that touch from you. Father, just give us that hunger and that thirst for you, God, that as we go, we may remember where we've been, to a place where you met us. Uh, Father, take us. We don't have it together. If anybody says they have it together, run. But, Father, you have it. And, And so we're just trusting you through this thing. And, Father, I pray that you might do a mighty work through us and in spite of us, that you might be the one who's exalted and put on the pedestal. In Jesus' name we pray. Move among us, Lord. Amen.